Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. I'm Annie Wagoner, your host. Thank you so much for pausing today, for tuning in, taking the time to subscribe, listen, and share my podcast with others who you think might be interested or who might benefit. I am so touched by the recent feedback and positivity and support I continue to receive from my listeners. This project just lights me up on so many levels and it just truly feels like such an honor and privilege to hold space for people to share their stories, their vulnerability, their strengths, passion, purpose, and light with the world. So that said, if you are interested in being a guest or you know of anyone who might be interested, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at Core Nourishment and at my website, AnnieWagoner.com. And if you haven't already done so and wouldn't mind taking a moment to go to iTunes and offer a rating and a review, I would so deeply appreciate it. So for episode 34, I had so much fun connecting remotely with a dear friend of mine who lives in Western North Carolina. We actually met each other years ago. We're talking almost 20 years ago now um, when I used to live down there and we were both bouldering um, and we just hit it off right away with sharing such passion for climbing, for the outdoors, for health and wellness. So here we are, Leah Webb of Deep Rooted Wellness, soon to be LeahMWebb.com, is just such a fierce mama and inspiring wellness warrior. She is an avid micro-farmer. She shares her story from battling with eating disorders as a young girl to really getting curious about nourishment and what that meant and finding a passion for gardening early on and then working with kids and seeing the positive impact that teaching them about food and wellness and gardening lit up the world and their own bodies and faces. Um, To Leah becoming a mom, to a son with severe food allergies and then her second child, daughter, who battles with cystic fibrosis and how they became her greatest teachers in this world. She has since then learned so much more about food as a certified health coach and how it truly is medicine for our physical bodies and our mental and emotional beings. She dives into resiliency, patience, acceptance. Leah opens up about vulnerability and how she cries at the drop of a hat, which I can very much relate to, and how we talk about how that serves and the strength that really lies there in supporting the collective and the whole in this wild, raw, messy world. Leah talks about choices and how this is lifelong learning. She shares about her cookbook, which is so incredible, focuses all on anti-inflammatory diet. It's called the Grain-Free, Sugar-Free, Dairy-Free Family Cookbook. You can find it on Amazon or on her website, all sorts of places. And Leah is even even talking about her next book, which is going to be focusing on gardening. So this episode is 
full of so much wisdom and tools and resources. Leah offers so much. She is extremely valuable. There's clearly so much more I want to say, but let's just dive in. Tune in and enjoy. recording again (laughs) take take two take two here we go oh Leah it is so good to connect with you and to I know we're just seeing each other virtually but even just that I can feel your energy and it makes me smile so thank you (laughs) yeah I'm excited to be here I mean especially when I see I see all of your posts online and you know and I watch what you do and we do go so far back and I think every time I see you I flash back to this picture of you like on a crash pad where we were rock climbing together. And so, yeah, it's really nice to see your face as well. Nice fond memories that go along with that. I know. I know. I totally go back to the first time I met you, um, bouldering and, and just how fun that was and how grateful I was. Cause I was like a friend, someone I can climb with. Um, and just right away, just all the, I guess it's the similar passions we share, um, and your warmth. So when I think of you, Leah, I think of like, I'm like, man, you are one fierce, like bold, just inspiring woman on so many levels. So um, it's been an honor to just witness you continue to go after what you truly believe and to research and educate yourself and to now be such a kick-ass leader. (laughs) So thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you too. I think it's cool because we've gotten, we have known each other for so long. And so we have gotten to watch each other come into our own careers and, um, you know, and you're the person who inspired me to even go to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and get my health certification. And so, yeah, we've gotten to witness that in each other. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. It's like beautiful energy exchange right there. So, um, so as you, you know, Leah, I'm all about nourishment and, you know, my business is called core nourishment, but when I think of nourishment, um, yes, the food as you really, um, dive into with your business and talk about is absolutely essential to like our nutrition and nourishment. Um, however, like what I want to ask you is like, what is, what's lighting you up? What's nourishing you non-food related right in the now? Yeah, and I think that if you had asked me this question a few days ago, the answer would have been different. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just because I think that right now we're going through such a strange, unpredictable time. And, and I found myself kind of surrendering a lot, you know, that's been, that's been my theme for this is just Mm -hmm. being patient and surrendering. And I am a planner. And so I like to kind of anticipate what's coming next. And, and I haven't really been able to do that. You know, I'm kind of just in waiting with a lot of people uh, just because of everything that's going on with coronavirus. And, and so I think the realization for me in the last couple of days has been that I have been starting, my kids are four and what is my computer doing? I'm sorry. Um, my computer is doing weird stuff. <laughs> oh, um, technology. <laughs> I know. We so can just laugh through this. I love it. I know. Exactly. <laughs> um, so your so kids are, are, you were saying. Yeah, so my kids are four and seven and 
I have, you know, and they've, they've been in school for the last couple of years. My kids have been in preschool and then my son is in full-time school. And so the things that I've relied on for nourishment have really shifted over the years, which I think most parents can relate to is that when your kids are really young, you're relying on these systems that change as your kids get older and you get a little bit more independence from them. And over the last couple of days, what I've realized is that those strategies that I developed when my kids were really little, um, you know, like when they were babies and we were stuck at home a lot, those are the same strategies that I'm having to start falling back on again. Mm. Um, so things like paying attention to going to bed on time because otherwise I really want to stay up way too late because that's my only alone time or trying to get the at-home workouts going again because, you know, the exercise that I was depending on, it's not really possible right now with my kids being at home so much. And so I think that that's what's nourishing me right now is really having to take a couple steps back and surrender into kind of this past version of self that developed coping strategies for when their kids were young. And, and so that's where I'm at right now. I love that you're, you're talking about the word surrender, Leah, because it's also, man, is it hard sometimes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, how beautiful. And, and that you can like pause and remember like, oh yeah, I have these tools in within me. Like this is what I did you know, a few years ago that helped me to feel more centered, more grounded, more energized, or, you know, all those things. So, um, yeah, I'm imagining there are a lot of listeners out there who can relate to what you're sharing. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. there's almost, a, there's some joy that's coming from that, but then there's also a little bit of mourning mm-hmm. of the loss of the routine that I used to have and depend on and, and felt like I was really nourished by those things. Like I was creating this life of freedom that I really enjoyed. And, and now I'm like, all right, if I can get my 30 minute at home workout, <laughs> in, you know, if right. the kids will just stay in their rooms for 30 minutes. <laughs> right, right. Right. And, and discovering those new, the, the new feelings of freedom in the, in like the smallest ways. So yeah, totally. What is there, um, is there a, a ritual that you have either come back to like a daily ritual or practice even in the smallest way or a new one that you've discovered because of, of COVID and, and this time? That's a good question. I think that I have been trying to focus on these routines because when COVID happened and the kids were at home, um, I tried to maintain some type of rhythm and then realized that what we all really needed was just a totally wide open schedule and just feel it out day by day, not have, not really have a schedule because it, it just didn't seem to be working and it didn't necessarily even seem to make sense. It seemed like there were so many emotions that we were dealing with that it made more sense to focus on dealing with the emotions and keeping everybody happy. And then, you know, just forget about the routine for a little while. And, but I think that I'm kind of coming full circle back to, okay, well, what is our new normal? And now that, you know, summer camps are being canceled and summer programs are being canceled and the kids are, I have no idea what school is going to look like in the fall. And so I think I'm coming back to this idea that I would like a little bit of regularity in our schedule and what it is that that looks like. I'm really not sure yet, but I am finding that as my kids are a little bit older, I think that I can find a, a, an easier 
balance is what I'm hoping. Then when, you know, when you have babies, I mean, I feel like you're just at the wisp of, I mean, you're at the mercy of like whatever they need in that moment. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. Totally. So yeah, finding what I'm hearing is like finding that, that play, that balance between open space, um, kind of go with the flow of freedom, but then also like, <laughs> okay, wait, these are the things we want to prioritize today and like figuring out where right. this fit in. Yeah, totally. I mean, gosh, there's so much, there's so much like anticipatory, um, I mean, I guess anxiety, I'm just going to say it <laughs> like with just that unknown of like, um, okay, like, are we going to be even going back to school like uh, in the fall or, you know, what is happening this summer? And so I, I appreciate you talking so candidly about it, Leah, and just, yeah, that reminder of like coming back to like, okay, here we are in the now, <laughs> what do I have control over? <laughs> what do we, what do we want to pour our energy into? And um, yeah, I'm imagining again, that a lot of people can relate to what we're sharing. So. Yeah. And I think for me, some of these strategies are, you know, I've done so much work personally on diet and food. And so one of the things that I feel like has, has become somewhat apparent to me during this time is that the food piece doesn't often fall apart for me anymore. And, bec and it's really just because it's become such a second nature piece that I know nourishes me so well. And that is such an important piece of keeping my family healthy and keeping my emotions balanced, that, that this is kind of a second nature piece. And so I think that that's part of this really fun thing about health coaching is that it's so slow. These life improvements, they don't happen quickly. And so every now and then, you know, you feel like you're working on this thing, working on this thing again and again and again. And then finally you have these moments where you see, okay, well, a global pandemic just hit, yet I'm still cooking and I'm not even really thinking about it. And so I think that that's been one of the cool things that I've seen is that there are things that have fallen apart for me for sure. So it's not like, <laughs> you know, it's not like everything is just smooth sailing, but I do I guess there's some gratitude that's come out of this too and feeling like, okay, well, the things that I was working on for years and years and years, you know, I'm not having to put as much effort into that as, as, as I used to. And now I can start kind of putting effort into these other areas. Yeah. I love that, Leah. Like really acknowledging all that you have created for your, for yourself, for your family, um, for your life that really feeds you, you all, um, just so intensely and beautifully. Um, so yeah, you have, it's, that's awesome. And to be able to acknowledge your progress, right? Because in the day to day, we can, we, we don't always, we aren't always in tune with that, or we are as humans looking at like, what else am I wanting to create and do and, um, and grasp hold of. Um, so I love that, that in this pause, in this um, un unsettling time, you are able to land in that gratitude and appreciation for all that you have created and done. Um, it's awesome. So let's dive into that. I mean, you are, you, you have written a, an incredible cookbook. Um, you like have shared so passionately through your, your vlog, through your posts, um, through who you are, Leah, about just have, how food is medicine. Um, and it's really changed you and your family. Um, I'd love to just to hear, you know, you're also a micro farmer, like gardener, um, <laughs> like there's just so much richness there. And I just, I'm like, man, when was the first time you first, you first knew that you were passionate about health? 
I know things changed very drastically, which we'll talk about, um, or not drastically, but more intensely when you had kids and became a mom. Yeah. But I'd love to know that first moment in yeah, your life. So I actually, um, and I think this is probably true for a lot of health professionals, is that they get interested in health because they need help. And so when I was in middle school, I developed an eating disorder and, you know, like many young women do. And, and as I got older, I started to realize that, you know, when you're young, you don't necessarily understand the repercussions that these habits are going to have as you age. And I mean, because when you're young, your body is so good at repairing itself you know, you can really just like abuse the heck out of it and it keeps bouncing back. But then there's a point at which you realize, okay, now I'm deteriorating. Now this is not going to be supporting me. And so I, I came to health food as a way to kind of heal myself. And so I was bulimic and I had lots of issues with binging. And what I started to realize is that if I was binging on some of these healthier foods, that there wasn't the same negative feelings associated with that action. And that that's really, and I think that's a lot of what dealing with eating disorders is about. It's not actually about the food, it's about the emotions associated with the Mm -hmm. food. And so for me, the way that I was able to fix those emotions is by focusing on the quality of whatever it was I was eating and focusing on nourishing myself with those foods. And so over time, you know, I, I was able to start feeling better. And then when you start doing one thing to start feeling better, it encourages you to do another thing to start feeling better. And, um, you know, and then it just kind of snowballed into this interest in food and healthy eating. And that actually drove me to um, get it. I started studying biology because I was interested in growing foods. I, I was studying soil and fungi and plants and, you know, hope to someday work in work in agriculture. Um, because I just, cause food, I guess for me, I love it. I love food. I love eating. Um, you know, the whole thing around, I just love it. I love growing it, cooking it, eating it. Um, you know, and I think that food is a real gift. And so I wanted to be part of that system. I wanted to be part of the system in which providing food for people. And then at some point I ended up switching over to public health and, when I was getting my master's, I was managing a learning garden and teaching kids how to grow foods. And I just saw how engaged you could get kids in healthy eating habits when you got them involved in the process. I mean, it was like, it's like magic. You know, you have them plant a seed, watch it grow. They get to pick the food. And then I remember this one day there was an argument amongst the kids because we only had a couple of Brussels sprouts and they were fighting over who got the raw Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Right. right. You know, and 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 to be so so excited about Brussels sprouts, you're like, yes, (laughs) yes, we love them. And, you know, so. So I kind of, so I came from this originally where I wasn't very healthy. I really needed some support and I found that support through cooking and eating healthy foods and then learning how to grow them and then learning to teach other people how to enjoy those foods. And just watching that, watching that transformation in other people is what got me super jazzed about this idea of health coaching. And I watched you go through this transformation and start your health coaching business. And, you know, and I was just really inspired by that. And so I joined uh, the health coaching program through Integrative Nutrition, the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. And I did that when I was pregnant with my son. 
And so I was finishing that program up right after he was born. It was all online. And so it worked out really well. And then it turned out that that program is what had trained me to be a mother. And Owen was born with multiple food allergies, sensitivities. I mean, he was the kid that I remember being in this new parent group and all these parents were just feeding their kids all sorts of foods. And I couldn't do that with him. You know, I had to give him really small amounts of new foods and kind of wait a couple days and see what happened. And, um, you know, and he ended up having a couple anaphylactic reactions, which at the time, uh, I didn't realize that anaphylaxis can actually be a GI response or a respiratory response. And so these early anaphylactic responses that he was having were primarily GI. Oh, and wow. so. Well, and so I didn't even recognize it as an allergy. And, um, you know, lucky, luckily we had a really great pediatrician and she helped guide us through this. We got referred to an allergist and, um, you know, but so my son had this pretty long list of foods that he couldn't eat and he had some pretty severe reactions too. So, you know, I know that sensitivities can be one thing, but it is a different thing when you're talking about somebody who has a life-threatening situation and it made it to where I actually couldn't work. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't put him in daycare. So, which turned out to be okay. I mean, I think it was one of those situations where in the moment I really wished that things were different, but I think in hindsight, I'm really thankful that I got to spend that time with him. And I am really thankful that in some ways I was kind of forced in, into that position. So after, you know, so he took a lot of you know, so, and I think he was kind of a turning point for me too in this whole health journey, because I think I had spent so much time thinking about healing myself and getting myself to a place where I, um, you know, that I just felt better with, about my relationship with food. And, but then here I now was taking care of a young child who had severe medical issues around food. Mm. And so I found all of a sudden I'd kind of forgotten <laughs> about this past self. You know, I had I had to move on. I was moving on to the next thing. And, and so I was cooking more from scratch and being really selective about the things that I was feeding to him. And, um, you know, and so I think he was kind of my introduction to meal planning and getting organized in the kitchen. And when you do have an allergic child, you always have to have food ready. And, and so I got good at it because it was required of me. And, um, you know, and it was hard in those early years and it, we weren't sure we'd always imagined we'd have two kids. And then I wasn't sure I wanted two kids just because he was so hard in some ways. And, um, but then we had a daughter and then shortly after she was born, she was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. So, yeah. yeah. So it was, <laughs> it, um, you know, it was a wild period. Um, yeah. you know, we kind of joke around that, you know, cause Owen was so hard and we said, um, you know, we just hope that June doesn't have allergies. We hope she doesn't have allergies. And then later we thought, well, we probably should have been a little bit more specific with that request because, <laughs> you know, this isn't quite what we bargained for either. And um, so for yeah. those who may not know what cystic fibrosis is, it's a genetic disease that impacts the lungs and pancreas. And so 
Um, when she was born and she got her diagnosis, it was through routine newborn screening. I was handed a piece of paper um, that basically said that she would live to be about 27 years old. Oh and um, sorry, this is always emotional for me when I talk about it. Of course, yeah. Um, no matter how many times I do. <laughs> yeah. And um, so if you can imagine uh, this postpartum mother at two weeks after having a baby and kind of being told that, you know, your daughter, A, would not have a long and healthy life and that, you know, B, you would also be required to put a lot of effort into it. So, um, you know, the thing with cystic fibrosis is that it requires a pretty big effort. Um, and someday this will be her burden and her responsibility, but um, she requires almost an hour of daily treatments and therapies to keep her lungs clear. So on top of having this child who had severe food allergies and who I had to cook all this food for all the time um, and, you know, kind of watch over him like a hawk, you know, then I had this added responsibility of, you know, keeping my daughter healthy. And, and so, you know, that first year was hard and I felt pretty stuck a lot of the time. Um, but I think I, I didn't want to always feel stuck. You know, I think that, I think that you're given certain circumstances and you have a choice as to how it is that you're going to deal with them. And it's not like I deal with this perfectly all the time. And it's not like it has always been joyful. I mean, there's been a lot of really dark times too, but I also know that there's been a lot of, um, you know, something that like I talk about in my cookbook, you know, I call it the darkness and the, or the light and the darkness. And, and, um, and so I do think that there have been a lot of gifts that come from that. And I also think that some of our biggest growth comes from our biggest challenges. And so I, I had a lot of growth <laughs> during that <Gosh>. first <laughs> Oh my gosh, Leah, seriously. I mean, how old was your son when when June was born? He was almost three, and we had already made the choice to move from Vermont to North Carolina, and so she was five weeks old when we moved, and um, so it was just, it was a really, it, it was a hard time for sure, but I think that I... I think I am the type of person that isn't going to sit with and just wallow. I mean, I, I did some wallowing, like, don't get me wrong. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I did, I did my wallowing and I think that when you get a diagnosis like this, I think you do move through the different stages of grief. And thought, it's, yeah. That word was just coming to mind. I'm like, I can only, I, all the grief that you were experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, and you feel it. I mean, you yeah. feel, you know, the jealousy and the anger and the sadness and, you know, and, and you kind of move through these different stages until you come to the acceptance phase. And then you accept your reality and then you start thinking about, well, what are the strategies that I can use to make this easier? And um, because I do believe so strongly in food, um, we we started looking to ways that I could support my daughter through diet. And that's when we stopped eating grains and dairy and sugar. And we did that as an anti-inflammatory approach. She also has to take a lot of antibiotics in order to stay healthy. And so all of this information that we now know about the importance of gut health and having these mm. bacteria 
in your digestive tract. I wanted to choose a diet that I felt like could help support her. And so we started following this diet pretty much from the time that she started eating solid foods. And, and then what happened is over the next couple of years, my son just like did a 180 and has drastically improved. And so he's down to just having two food allergies. They are severe. And, and I don't really imagine he's, he's anaphylactic to wheat and barley. So in the same way that somebody would be allergic to nuts, that's his reaction to wheat and barley. So Mm -hmm. it is an unfortunate allergy to have, but his other allergens are gone. His asthma is gone. He's completely off of medications. Um, you know, whether it's the diet that did this, or it was just him outgrowing it. I mean, we'll never know. Oh my gosh. But Leah, I can only imagine how much you supported his developing systems, you know, systems plural, but his immune system and his gut health um, to just be as optimal and strong as possible. I can only imagine how that influenced and impacted his healing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because I mean, we ate healthy to begin with. Yeah. It's not like we were eating all of these processed foods. It's just that he needed something that was a little more fine tuned. Mm -hmm. And he's gotten to the point now where we do, our diet is a little bit more broad now. I mean, we eat some grains and we eat some, we eat some raw dairy. Um, We're pretty particular about the type of dairy and the type of grains that we eat now. Um, You know, but I I don't know if he would have gotten to that point without those things. And, you know, my daughter, she is, she's really healthy too, given her circumstances. And, um, you know, and that's a really hard one to tease apart because there's so much variation in the way that CF manifests for different people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a bell curve and, and you never know, there's no real rhyme or reason as to why it is that you fall where you fall on the bell curve. And I mean, they're, they're studying that constantly, but something that has come out in the last few years are some of these new pharmaceuticals that are available for people with CF. And my daughter is one of the youngest kids to be put on one of these protein modulators, one of these, um, one of these drugs that gets to the source root of the problem rather than just trying to correct the side effects. And so, you know, so one of the things that we've learned over the last few years is that we actually have a lot of reason to hope and believe that she will live a fairly normal life. Um, And so these things that we are told when she was born, you know, about this shortened life expectancy, I mean, the, the data has not yet caught up to the changes in the, in medicine. Mm-hmm. And so we do feel really optimistic for my daughter, but, but I've just seen how food, food can be such a supportive piece of, of anybody's integrative care. And when you start looking at the United States and our current chronic health crisis, and Mm -hmm. what you see is that six in 10 adults has a chronic disease, 46% of children has a chronic disease. And there was a study published earlier last year, actually, that came out, it was the uh, global burden of disease analysis. And they had basically documented dietary patterns in 195 countries over the course of 27 years. And the results from this study showed that it wasn't that we're necessarily eating too many trans fats or things like that. It's that we're not eating enough whole grains, legumes, beans, nuts, seeds, uh, omega-3 fatty acids from healthy protein sources. 
And that, you know, when you're looking at lifestyle choices and risk factors for the development of disease, that it really boils down to four. It's like diet, smoking, lack of exercise, and, um, oh, what's the other one? Do you remember the other one? Is it sleep hygiene? Not sleep. It was, um, I don't know, but it's four. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to... Totally pop into our brain in a second. Yeah. Yeah, like 20 minutes. We'll be like, oh, right. That's the lifestyle risk factor. <laughs> um, but if you, you know, it used to be that smoking was number one. But this study, mm-hmm. what they were showing is that diet has now surpassed smoking, mm-hmm. that it is the number one lifestyle risk factor associated with the development of disease later in life. And, and so I think that diet is just such an important thing for all of us, especially now. Um, but I guess I just saw firsthand for my family how beneficial it could really be. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, coming back to, um, like you, you made this choice, Leah, like I just, my heart is like just swirling with absolute, um, love for you. And in the sense of like, I can't even begin to imagine or fathom all the different emotions that you and your husband were going through and feeling and navigating. Um, and then to like find, find that acceptance enough to grasp onto like, okay, we are, we're going to make this powerful choice to educate ourselves and to like lean into possibility and like the courage and, um, strength that that takes is huge. Um, and then you get to, like you get to share this. I mean, this, like I have the chills right now. It is absolutely like absolutely important. <laughs> I can only imagine like this is beyond like work for you. This is like your life's purpose um, that you were, you were given. And then you're, you take that, you're taking this gift to share um, through your, through your work. Um, and it's, it's absolutely remarkable because that's, that's the, I mean, people just so many people just don't know, you know, so it's like, it comes to that education piece, um, that I just offering and offering them encouragement too. I think sometimes when people hear my story about, you know, we, we do have this extra workload that comes along with my kids and, but I still find time to make real food happen because I just know how insanely important it is. And, and I think that, you know, to your point about some people don't know, I think, unfortunately, oftentimes we're not compelled into these transformations until we're in crisis. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and I think that, you know, it's easy to think it won't happen to me or, well, you know, I, I do enough good things or, um, you know, and I don't want to say this as a scare tactic kind of thing. I'm just saying, I, I think that's the reason people don't often change easily is because, you don't have, unless you have a real need to change, you know, change is hard (laughs) and oftentimes it's uncomfortable and unwelcomed and, and we get in our routines and we choose routines that work for us. And, and so until some outside stimulus comes in and challenges that routine, then why would you ever change what you're doing? Right. So I think for us, we just had these major, we had these major things occur that couldn't be ignored and that they absolutely had to be responded to. And so, um, you know, and luckily I had the skill set and the knowledge and the support. And I mean, you mentioned my husband, I mean, he's so supportive of this. I mean, um, you know, so I had the tools in place. I, I had the support network in place to make this happen. So I guess in some ways I was really fortunate and, 
And then being able to share this with people has been great. I mean, I've gotten some emails from strangers and people that I don't know. And, um, you know, it's easy to feel like your situation is really hard. But then some of these stories that I've heard from other people makes me realize that so many people out there have it much, much harder than I do, and that those people are looking for answers too. And so it's felt really good to be able to offer this resource, my book, as, a, as something that they can turn to as somebody who is in crisis, who's found themselves in this, you know, between a rock and a hard place, who stumbled upon my information. And, and I think those are, that's the light and the darkness for me. I mean, that's what makes us feel like it hasn't all been in vain. Mm, yeah. Oh my goodness. No. And that, right. Again, you made that choice, Leah, to start um, from all that you were learning with, okay, meal prepping, here we go. Like what's working, what's not, you know, and then like your go-to recipes and making things from scratch and then growing your food um, and then being able to, oh my gosh, like find the time, take the time to like write this all down, <laughs> write this all down and create a freaking book is, oh. is amazing. Um, but, but yeah, that that's rippling out to those people who, oh my gosh, who are desperate for that, that information and education, um, who maybe didn't know where to look before. Um, and it's, it's awesome. Um, and yeah, oh my gosh, I'm like, where did you find the time? And well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't always pretty for sure. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, I mean, I think that it's easy to, and we all do this, you know, I mean, we all like, especially with everybody being so involved in social media and, you know, this idea that we're only showing everyone the best 10% of our lives. And, right. um, you know, so you may look at me from the outside and say, wow, she's so successful. Like she's cooking her food, she's growing it, her children are thriving and, you know, but like I lose it just like everybody else. <laughs> and I mean, we have days where I'm like, oh, we got this like smooth sailing, you know, I mean, maybe we'll homeschool the kids next year because they're probably not going back anyways. And, um, you know, and then 10 minutes later, I'm like, I can't do that. I absolutely cannot stand that idea. <laughs> yeah. I loved Leah, one of my, uh, in the last couple months, um, when I had shared that post about, <laughs> and we talked about this too, but when uh, I shared the post about just like, okay, end your workout and just with like a minute, like spaz dance, scream, like primal scream, throw rocks, whatever you need to do to like let that energy out. And I so appreciated your response and like, yep, that's what I did. I had that moment in the woods <laughs> today. Like, but yeah, that we can just also share those, those really real, raw, necessary parts, you know, because it makes us, yeah. it's all, that's all, that's all the realness. And that's like, it's messy, but it's beautiful. And well, yeah. I think that that just that, that release that you're talking about, I think honestly, so when I was starting to cry there a minute ago, this, I cannot turn that off. I am a lifelong dedicated crier. Oh, and, um, I, I'm <laughs> right with you, Leah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I do it in public spaces that are like totally inappropriate. Like, if, you know, and I have tried so hard to make it to where I don't, I mean, I've even started to cry in front of a group of 300 people that I was speaking to. And, um, you know, and, and so in some ways, I really wish that I could turn that off. But, but in some ways, I feel like that's probably the reason that I'm not haven't lost my mind yet. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, isn't it so fascinating? I mean, just as as a society, a culture that like we 
we revel in laughter and the, and the sound of laughter and there's not, you know, nothing wrong with laughter. I mean, maybe unless like, maybe if you're in church or something, but you know, like, um, but, but how much we can just feel like different levels of maybe shame or just embarrassment around the tears. But I think it's actually, I think it's a beautiful thing, Leah. And, uh, and I get it because I'm the same way. Like my kids, my kids are like, Oh, mom's crying again. Like, at, at, you know, maybe something that's really sad, but also stuff that's just so tender and moving or, or out of joy. So it's just all the things, but uh, I think yeah. that helps people really, really feel you and connect with you and hear, hear your your care and your story. Yeah. And just being able to have that release and just, I think too, what I found, this is the other thing that has been interesting about having this book and having this story that can sound, you know, somewhat traumatic and hard is that I think when people know that you have gone through something really difficult, they share all sorts of other things that has happened to them that have, you know, it won't even be something that's even necessarily related to their health. They just start mm. to share their trauma with you because yeah. they feel like here's another individual who has experienced trauma. And so they must understand the feelings behind this. And so I think that when you do kind of open up those emotions and allow yourself to express them, then it, it does, it, it gives permission to other people. And um, and like you're saying about this idea of laughter and, you know, these are the emotions I feel like that everybody's always trying to manifest and conjure. And, you know, I want to feel happy. I want to feel good. I want to feel positive. And, and I think that we undervalue sometimes these other emotions and that, I mean, especially right now where coronavirus is so unpredictable and there are so many emotions. And I think, you know, there's been so much encouragement of, well, just find the positivity, find the silver lining. And, and I think that that is good, but I also think that you kind of have to sit in the misery and the shame and the, you know, unpredictability and these different pieces until you can work through that emotion and then get to something else. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, totally, Leah. I mean, I, I feel like that is my everyday practice as in my own personal life and um, in my journey um, is that allowance, allowance of all the emotions that they're all okay. And then, and then especially as a mom for my kids, because we can't actually fully experience the energy of joy and, and bliss and like, you know, whatever that happiness is, unless we have allowed ourselves to feel like the anger, the, the sadness, the anxiety, and it really acknowledged it. Um, and that's something I've learned and I continue to practice again every day um, because I struggle with that. You know, I, I, um, I used to be so scared of, of like feeling angry, but it wouldn't help to just swallow it down or bottle it down. And because, because then that's when, you know, you snap or like I find myself wanting right. to, to punch pillows and which is totally okay. So I think it is so true. And what you shared earlier about that vulnerability piece is it makes me think of Brene Brown, you know, and how yeah. much she talks about, you know, when we share our strength, which is the vulnerability that invites others to open up and to feel safe and to remember they're not alone. And that actually invites that connectivity, which is absolutely essential, especially right now um, during this time. Yeah. So. Well, and I think and some of what comes along with this as well is remembering that you can't please everybody, you know, so in thinking about being a coach or in being an author and a public speaker or, and these different things, I think that some of the 
some of the fear comes from knowing that you are feeling like you want to make everybody happy and that you want to please people. And, but the truth is that everybody has something for somebody, but not somebody has something for everybody. And so I think that we express ourselves and open ourselves up in a way that calls to some people. Some people are attracted to that and then some people aren't. And then we just have to accept that, (laughs) that, you know, that we are, um, you know, we're just humans and that everybody has a different way of expressing themselves and a different way of moving through life. And that, you know, we can't, can't help and fix everyone and offer something to everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel totally. like that was a little off topic, but I just felt like what, um, you know, just this idea of Brene Brown and I love her idea of being courageous and, you know, working through the vulnerability, because I think it's like you're saying with the joy, she teaches us that these emotions are not mutually exclusive, you know, they fit together and you can't have one without the other. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the essence of what it is to be alive. Right. (laughs) And it's not, yeah, it's not black and white. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, it's not easy to hold space for those simultaneously, but, um, but it's true. They really do fit together. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Leah. I, I love, I love this. Um, just being human, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And all the uh, mess that comes uh, along with it. I know. I know. So you mentioned your book a few times. Um, do you want to um, share with listeners? I know I know about your book, but the title and um, you shared really your why and what led you. But I'd love for you yeah. to share the title and then maybe one or, one or two of your favorite recipes that are in there. Okay, so my book, it's quite the mouthful for the title. It's um, the Grain-Free, Sugar-Free, Dairy-Free Family Cookbook. And the first part of the book, the opening chapter is about why you would want to follow this diet. So I did want to, I call it intellectual motivation. I am a why person. I mean, if somebody tells me to do something, probably the first thing out of my mouth would be, well, why? (laughs) Why would I do that? (laughs) And so I felt like there have to be, and the other thing too, is I feel like when you do understand the reasoning behind something, that that can be the motivation you need to keep it going. So that first chapter just kind of explains why it is that you might want to eliminate grains, dairy, and sugar. And I do make it pretty clear that, you know, grains can be eaten in, I believe that grains do have a place in the diet. Um, I am not... (laughs) so focused on this diet that I don't believe in other ways of eating. I just know that this really made sense for my family. And I know that it can make sense for a lot of other people too. And, um, but you know, grains, if we are going to be eating grains, they really need to be soaked, sprouted, fermented, and prepared in these more traditional ways so that we're actually reaping the nutritional benefits from those foods. Um, and dairy is pretty questionable too. You know, some people, Some people need it in their diet. Some people don't. But again, it comes down to this question of quality. The thing that I do not think can really be argued is sugar. I think that across the board, I mean, sugar has negative impacts on children, adults. I mean, sugar is, is a pretty toxic food, to be honest. And it is so abundant in what we eat. And then being a parent, it is hard to figure out how to deal with that. And so maybe we could talk about that another day. I won't yeah, yeah. <laughs> go off on that too much. <laughs> I totally agree um, with you though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard because kids love sugar. I mean, who does adults love sugar? Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> so it's hard. <laughs> um, so I kind of just give some reasoning behind the diet. And then I go, the next three chapters are all about how to meal plan and prep. Uh, because one of the things that I found is that when my kids were young and I was trying to figure out how to prepare all these these foods from scratch, I felt like I was never leaving the kitchen. And I believe that health is balanced and I wanted to be sleeping more and exercising more and having some alone time and being able to focus on my work and not spending three hours in the kitchen every single day feeling like, you know, the, the chef to my children. And so I developed a system of meal planning and prep. And so that's what I describe in those first few chapters. Um, so really, even though I am talking about a restrictive diet in this book, I'm just talking about how it is that you prepare whole meals from the family in a way that feels sustainable, in a way that gets you organized to where you're not spending all day every day in the kitchen. Um, and so then with the recipes themselves, they're, they're all whole foods. And so one of the things I found with my son is that when he we had to go gluten-free is that a lot of these gluten-free products are actually pretty junky and they have a lot of processed ingredients and starches. And especially for a lot of kids who have allergies also have asthma and he needed an anti-inflammatory diet. And so using these gluten-free products, it wasn't working for him. It wasn't the thing that he needed to be supporting his health. And so for example, things like, um, and this is one of my favorite, this is actually the recipe that got me the book deal <laughs> is, um, my plantain muffin recipe. So, Oh my gosh. You, yes. Um, plantains are just so good. And once so you learn, good. I know they're like naturally sweet, they do all the things. And, you know, once you learn to use them at optimal ripeness, I mean, it takes a little bit of figuring out anytime you're doing something new, you're going to have to practice a few times, but you basically just like blend sunflower seeds and plantains and eggs and other typical muffin ingredients into a batter. And then it makes the best gluten-free muffins that I feel like I've ever had. And so um, that's, I want to make those like this week. That sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> they are, well, and I add pecans to them. There's a pecan mm -hmm. bread variation in there. So mm -hmm. I pretty much add pecans every time or pecan, pecan, pecan. Cans, yes. <laughs> uh, have our tomato and tomato. <laughs> you want to say that. Um, so, but then the other fun thing about, or the other really useful thing about my cookbook is that every recipe at the top will tell you whether or not it can be frozen and for how long. And the reason that that's a valuable piece of information is because the meal planning and prep that I that I offer or that I recommend to people, it involves cooking a lot of food. It involves cooking in huge quantities um, in bulk because it does take more time to cook in that way. Like when you sit down to make um, a soup, I mean, soups are pretty much like the quintessential example yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> of like bulk prepping. And I mean, there's no reason I would ever make just enough soup to serve to my family once because the extra chopping and sauteing and all of those extra steps to make um, you know, one gallon of soup versus three gallons of soup. Then I have three gallons of soup that I've probably spent an additional 15 minutes on in total, but then I have enough to feed my family multiple meals and soup 
freezes really well too. So you can have some for dinner, you can have some for lunch the next day, and then you can also freeze some. Mm -hmm. So the feedback that I've gotten from people who I have meal plans in there and then recommended shopping lists and uh, plans to teach you how to even execute the meal plan step-by-step and day-by-day for people who really need that extra guidance. And, um, you know, the feedback is that this is a lot of food. My family would never eat this. And then they start doing it and they're like, oh, (laughs) now I see. Yes. That's why she makes five pounds of chicken at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Leah, it's so many, so many valuable tools in there. You know, whether someone is, is like choosing to go forward with, like with the specific anti-inflammatory diet that you've outlined or not just even the tools around meal prep, meal prepping <laughs> and, yeah. um, and like, yeah. And just how to properly, I mean, I imagine you go into, cause I, the question that I, I know that I get is, um, well, how do you freeze things without zapping the nutritional value? You know? Um, so I'm sure you do talk about that, like how to properly store things. Well, I don't talk about it a lot because I'm not, too particular about it because my thought is that the absolute most important thing to focus on is the fact that you're cooking as much as you can and that you're sourcing those ingredients from a good, from a, you know, nutritious source. And so when you start to get into these really fine details about well, what if I lose 5% of the vitamin C when that food has been frozen? Or what if I, this, when I do it that way, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's yeah. like all of a sudden we've missed the big picture, which yep. is that if you're eating as many whole foods as you possibly can, then those details are going to work themselves out. Um, totally. And a trust that, okay, that where you just poured a ton of not only organic, fresh ingredients into your meal, you also put your own love and time and energy versus like getting takeout or getting a frozen meal from the grocery store. <laughs> you know, so right, it's like, yeah, because those foods are going to be nutritionally subpar. Yeah. You have absolutely no control over the quality of the ingredients you're using. You have no idea how fresh they were. I mean, when especially when you're buying packaged, processed, frozen foods. Right. Um, so I think we do, I, I, I get questions like that a lot too, where people are like, well, how do you do this or that or guarantee, you know, optimum nutrition? It's like, I just cook. You have to make your choices there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if right. I did get too focused on those details, I would drive myself crazy to the point that this wouldn't feel doable anymore. And, um, you know, and I've been there, I've been to the point where I've been in full burnout mode and felt like I just want to go to the store and buy like gluten-free hot dogs on a stick, whatever the corn dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I just want to buy that rather than have to cook another meal for everybody. And so I think that just kind of giving yourself some grace and focusing on these big picture, like, how can I make it, how can I cook more from scratch? How can I do that? And if it means that I have to freeze some foods and it might lose a very small amount of nutritional value, just don't worry about it. Um, you know, focus on the real foods first. Totally. Yeah. And, and speaking of like real foods, the other piece that I am so inspired by with you, Leah, is you are an avid gardener and, um, you know, as you're like a micro farmer, as you label yourself. Um, so I can only imagine, and I've seen your recent posts, like what your gardens look like. I mean, just, um, so much lushness and abundance. Um, what is, what are you growing right now? 
I am growing all sorts of things. I mean, you know, what better thing to do during a uh, global pandemic? Right. <laughs> so. right. Which is all, which is such a cool thing to witness people coming back to, by the way. Yeah. It so. actually is. Um, yeah. But I will say from a gardener's standpoint, so as somebody who's been doing this for 18 years, yeah. I all of a sudden couldn't access some of the things that I normally get. Oh, yeah. Because oh, some of these seed companies, right. um, they got overlooked. They got overwhelmed with orders and so they weren't shipping and um so like yeah. for example i started running out of my heat tolerant lettuces which you know you get those started now so that you can have lettuce further into the summer and um you know i i just couldn't get them so well, you're like wait a second <laughs> yeah. i was like come but, on people <laughs> and it's like right but what great problems to have to think you know like it i is. keep thinking about um you know how much people are I know it's not I, not necessarily joyful for them, but just like coming back to cooking too, you know, like to cooking, to gardening, to just those things um, from that ground level. And, and it's a lot of patience and learning on for everyone, yeah. including you when you're like, wait a second. I, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I have this year. I think that my garden is, this is the biggest it's ever been. I think I'm not quite sure how many square feet I'm at, but I'm between 2,500 and 3,000 square feet. And and then wow. we have 12 laying hens. And and so I do provide the majority of our vegetables and a lot of our fruits during the summer. During the winter months, I, I do year-round growing. I live in Western North Carolina and in zone 7A for anybody who is interested. <laughs> and so I, I get that question a lot. <laughs> Which zone and, do you live in? Yeah, yeah exactly. 7A. <laughs> um, and so this winter, you know, I did, I experimented with more winter growing this past winter and, and um, you know, did a lot of experimenting. I had a lot of success. I had a lot of failure. It was a total mixed bag. And then this year, I am actually expanding enough to where I've been selling a few vegetables. And, and this is more so as a community service rather than it is about the money. I mean, farmers aren't really making any money, especially at the scale that I'm working at and where I'm just kind of selling a little excess here and there. But I think there are some questions around food security in the coming months. And, um, you know, this is another point where we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And so I think that for me, I felt like as being a community member and having a skill set and what are some of the things that I might be able to offer to my community right now, it's that I have great meal planning and prep skills. So these are things that can help people plan what they need to be buying when they go to the grocery store. So they're not having to go all the time. Um, and, and I agree, some of this is not welcome. Some people are not excited to be having to cook for their children every day because they've been relying on school meals and other sources to feed their kids. And now they're having to do it. So, so I do see this as being a mixed bag of you know, getting back to the basics and the joy that you can find in that to also, okay, well, now I have this added responsibility that I didn't really ask for. <laughs> right. The overwhelm. Yeah. 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 The overwhelm. And so, um, but the thing with gardening, if any, the advice that I wish that I could give to everybody. So I'll just go ahead and put this up. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say what tips you have to offer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would. My number one tip is that you are only going to learn how to do this if you fail. 
And <laughs> isn't that like uh, the life's tip? <laughs> it is, right? In, in some well, ways. <laughs> I, it totally is. And I feel like people, they start a garden. And I think that this is going to happen a lot this year. And this is the other reason I kind of want to get this message out <laughs> is that, you know, everyone's starting their garden for the first time and they're envisioning this like, these tomatoes and the squash and the beans and like all of this stuff that they're going to be growing for their own family and all the money they're going to be saving. And then, you know, maybe they didn't set their soil up right. Maybe they planted the wrong variety. You know, maybe they, you know, planted everything too close. Maybe they planted it too far apart. They didn't water enough. They overwatered. You know, these are things there, there is a lot that can go wrong with gardening. And I think that when you're looking to these experts, oftentimes their message is, it's easy. Anyone can do it. And you didn't have it all perfect right away, Leah. I mean, I didn't. I mean, oh man, I wish you could have seen my first garden. Like, I've been reminiscing about it a lot recently and I started it, which I would never do this now. But, um, you know, the way that I started my very first garden is I took some string and I outlined in the grass, the shape of the garden that I wanted. And then I sprayed inside that line with Roundup. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How many years ago was this? (laughs) This was like 20 years ago. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I know, right? You're like, kill the grass. (laughs) And now I'm like, no, Roundup is from the devil. (laughs) You know, so I think that, so I think. That's so great, Leah. Like, look at all you've learned. (laughs) I know, I know. Now I I don't till, you know, I I practice all of these really ecologically sound practices because A, I want to be a good steward of the land and B, I really want nutritious food. And the way that you have nutritious food is that you take care of your soil. And so I have had, and I still fail. That's the thing people miss too. And I try to Mm -hmm. share this on my Facebook and Instagram occasionally to show people that even the people that you may view as an expert we still mess up and that's how you continue to learn. Yeah. That's how you continue to learn. And some of this stuff is so entirely out of your control. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we had such a dry spring and I had a lot of things that I just couldn't keep them watered enough. I have a hard, it's hard to start seeds when it's so dry. And then, you know, I've been watering, 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 and now it hasn't stopped raining for four days. (laughs) And so, you know, if you can imagine, I mean, there's just so many challenges that come along with it. And so I think that, I think that if we can stop thinking about these new skills as being easy, and that these new skills take time to practice, and that gardening is such a good example of that. And it's such a good learning tool, because it requires more patience than most new skills too. So if you're thinking about, well, I went to a Zumba class, and I didn't get the dance right, you know, next week, I'll go back and I'll try again. You know, gardening, you miss that window, and you're waiting an entire year until you can do it again. Mm. And our our minds do not operate on that slow scale. And so the patience that comes along with gardening and the, you know, just resiliency of saying, okay, well, I screwed it up this year, but next year I'm going to try something different. Um, You know, like this winter gardening that I did. I mean, I pretty much, the only way you can really figure this stuff out is, you know, you try these different varieties, you pack your garden full of food, you cover it with your row cover, and then you see what's still alive in March. (laughs) And, you know, and so I lost probably two thirds of the stuff that was out there. Um, But that's the only way I'm going to learn because I, I can look in a book and somebody can tell me, 
the information that they think is valuable, but they don't know about my microclimate in my house, whether I'm in a valley, whether I'm next to a creek, whether I'm up on a, a dry hill. I mean, there's there's so many right. things that are, I mean, it's- Your so, sun exposure, the soil, the pH, like right. all the, yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm saying this not to deter people, but as to explain why it is that they have likely had failure and that they will continue to have failure. But just because you're you're messing something up doesn't mean that you don't also have those successes intertwined. And that's what keeps people coming back for more. You know, that's what keeps me doing this again and again and again, is that A, I'm getting, I'm getting to know this piece of land. I, you know, I have a real appreciation for this piece of land that, and I, I live on three quarters acre in a neighborhood. So it's not like I have this big, beautiful farm in the middle of, you know, rolling hills in Vermont or, <laughs> or something like that. But, um, you know, I am learning to read the messages that this piece of land is sending me. And I can't learn that in a year. I can't learn that in two years. This is, this is my connection to the natural world that's right outside of my door. And I, I love having that connection. And I also have to accept that part of the natural cycle is that some things work out some years. And even if I did the exact same thing next year, it might not work out as well. But um, so I think I'm, I hopefully I didn't deter people. From, no, from I, I, yeah, no, I don't think you did at all. Yeah. And I so appreciate, I mean, I'm just like the, the overall metaphor too of, I mean, it's, it's like a whole nother relationship, you know, this is yeah. like a, this is like a baby and like, and not only one, like just multiple, you know, as you just said, like really getting to know the, the land, the earth, the climate. Um, and then year to year, you're, you're navigating the, the, the different changes. Um, but that you, you get to also lean in and hone these incredible, like superpowers of, of patience and compassion and like forgiveness, you know, as you fail and then, and then like lean into your strength and resiliency. I think personally, as well as like with what you're, you're learning and these new skills. Um, I just so appreciate how you talk to that. And, and like, I also can't help but go back to what you were sharing in the beginning with your story. It's like, you got to like sit in the mud, in the darkness and like, yeah feel it, you know, and then, and then you discover, you discover light, you know, and that's like, I mean, that's, that's you, Leah, that's like what you've been speaking to in your, in your journey. Um, so yeah. Well, and all these things are, and I think too, the parallels is that this is all slow. I mean, all of it, everything, life changes, developing new skills, learning how to cook from scratch, trying, I mean, we are such an instant gratification society. And that's why yeah. I found that it was, it's so, and you see this in coaching. It's hard to, it's hard to explain to people that as a coach, you don't offer the 21 day fix. You don't offer the, you know, seven minute ab program. You know, these are, these are catchy titles that people want, people want results and they want them now. And they want them without putting in that much work. Yeah. And, you know, especially I think that this lesson, you know, gardening has been a really good lesson in patience for me. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the other lessons came from my daughter in that she was born with a genetic disease. There is no eating her way out of it, making it go away with a magic herb or a supplement or, you know, even the pharmaceuticals she's on. I mean, even this doesn't just make it disappear. And so it's a marathon. 
It's not a sprint. And we so often approach health and any type of new learning endeavor as a sprint. And we want to, we want to get it quick and now. And, and I just think that when you can put the time in and invest in the patients and, and I think when you do it this way too, it gives you a lot more space to forgive yourself Mm -hmm. and say, I'm not going to get it all right. I'm not going to do everything perfectly this first time, but I'm going to give it a good go. I'm going to focus on what did work out. And then we're going to keep doing more of those things. So I just, I feel like gardening is like probably, I mean, it's one of the most joyful things that I do. And, um, and it is, it's like learning a new language. You know, it's like you're learning the language of the soil and the plants. Mm -hmm. And, and so for people who are less science driven, if they can think of it, in more of an artistic way in that you are having to learn to evaluate something that you're looking at. And if you're not used to looking at plants, why would you expect to get it all right the first time? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to, you get to keep learning about yourself and you get to keep, I mean, you get to have this like beautiful nature bath, no matter what the weather is doing. And they talk about healing on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. Getting all those organisms you, you're getting exposed to. You get to share it with your kids or your families, you know, for listeners who are out there with anyone. Um, it doesn't have to yeah. be like a, or, or maybe it's a sacred <laughs> practice just for you. Yeah. So, no one comes yeah. in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> this is my space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess, if, so for listeners who did, who are starting their own gardens and they do want just a couple of bits of information for where to start, I would say for one, you know, just start on a couple of basics and, um, starting seeds is really challenging. It's not easy to do. Variety selection is not particularly easy either. These are skills that are for more advanced gardeners. And so I always recommend that you go to your local farmer's market and you buy plants there. So if you're looking, because too, if you're a new gardener, you have a pretty small, you should have a small amount of space. That's the other point. Start (laughs) small. (laughs) Yeah. um, I've seen some, I mean, I've seen some wildly enormous gardens popping up this year that people are just going for it. And I'm like, oh, that's big. (laughs) Going big, going large. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so if you're, I mean, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your anxiety or thoughts are around gardening, you know, if you can keep it, if you can reel it in, keep it small, go to your farmer's market, buy plants. It's not going to cost that much money um, because you are working with a small amount of space and the money you spend on those plants, you're going to, you'll, it'll pay for itself. Um, So, and your farmers, your local farmers are going to be selecting varieties that are suited for your region. And so that's why I think that that's Mm -hmm. the best way to do it. So set your plot up, add a lot more compost than you think. I always recommend that people add at least four inches of compost to Mm. um, mushroom compost, whatever it is that you're using, um, cow manure, um, whatever it is that you're using, use about four inches. And I do that every single year. That's not like a one and done type thing. Yeah. That's a like re like nutrient, not re nutrient it, you know, but like, yeah, nourish, nourish the garden too. Yeah. Right. Constantly. You always have to nourish it. And then um, just go and pick out some plants at your local farm. And that is the absolute best thing, best way to start. And then once you get that down and you start to be able to see what's going on in the garden and you start to understand some of these messages, then you can start to expand and start some of these other things. But I think starting small and really focused is 
probably the way to start most things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's great, Leah. Thank you. I mean, this is, oh my gosh, I, you have just offered so much richness, so many tools and tidbits in this, um, in this episode. It's been incredible. So thank you for all of your sharing. Yeah. They, I yeah. love talking about this stuff. It's all, I could talk about it all day. So <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, I'm like, man, I, I, we could just, we could just stay on for, for hours. It's so fun to connect with you too. Um, I have another really important question to ask and okay. that is, that is what is, um, what's for dinner tonight? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was like, yeah, which is awesome too, because that just says to me, Leah, like you've, you can go to your freezer, um, find something there, or like, it, you know, that you can look at your garden and say, what do we have? You know, so that's, you know, that's what I love. Well, yeah. what had I, what I've been doing, and this may even be a helpful thing for people too, is, you know, normally I kind of have to focus on packing lunches and making sure that I do yeah. have food, you know, that I'm making foods. It's like when the kids are in school and we're constantly go, 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 I have to stay a few more steps ahead then I'm having to stay right now just because we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've kind of been doing is um, when I am making some type of food, I'm making enough to last like four or five meals. And I just don't even care if, if my kids complain anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, the more that I do it, the less they're complaining. So, um, so, but what happened, we just ran out of this massive batch of food. And so today it's time to like re-up the supplies and re-up. Yeah. But, but I guarantee there will be a salad. That's um, we, we pretty much eat salad for lunch, dinner. We eat a lot of salad right now just because yeah. I have so much in the garden. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's awesome. I love it. I'm like imagining this bounty of just like fresh greens and lettuces and yeah, in your kitchen. Um, and children that are and children, yeah, complaining <laughs> over it. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I get it. I yeah, totally. Um, Leah, where can people find you? We've been talking about your book. We've been talking about your your blogs and your sharing. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram as Leah underscore M underscore web. So Leah M web. And I'm on Facebook as Leah M web as well. And uh, I'm trying to work on a new website that will be leahmweb.com. And, and you still can go to leahmweb.com and that will redirect you to my old website, which is Deep Rooted Wellness. And, um, you know, but as, as we all know that um, trying to change a website over especially when you're at home with children. And um, and I am working on a gardening book. This will be my next book that is released. And this is supposed to be a guide. I know, I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> um, and the idea behind this book will be that um, it's a lot of what we just talked about, how there is a starting point. And, and so I'm going to describe what that starting point is. But then the chapters that follow are going to teach you how to build on that starting point in a logical order so that, you know, a lot of these gardening books, you pick them up and it's like you have to read them from start to finish. And then for a beginner, this is kind of like information overload. And then they've shut down, you've lost them. And so the idea is, is really, it's a garden coaching book. If you think about it, it's That's awesome. You know, this is your starting point and then how is it that you build? And so, um, yeah, so over oh, time there will be something so excited. for That's, that too. Yeah. That's fabulous. That's great. Thanks. Oh, so good. You are so freaking inspiring, Leah. Seriously, one fierce mama. And uh, 
wellness Thanks, warrior. Yeah. So yeah, it's incredible. And I just like, I just hope that I can't wait to, I know and trust that there'll be a time probably a few years from now, but that we can come back together in person and go bouldering and, <laughs> and talk and talk all things health and cook together. Um, just makes my heart happy visualizing that and getting our families yeah. together. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking taking time out of your day. Um, here we are sitting, or me in my bedroom. I know you you were in your bedroom and shifted um, closer for yeah. internet, but uh, I'm just so grateful we were able to make this happen. Yeah, me too. Thanks yeah. for reaching out, and glad we got to connect, Danny, and yeah. share this with your listeners too. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> yeah, thanks.